Many people in church, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, do not spend much time contemplating why they're listening to the scripture lessons they are listening to in church. In fact, most probably have never thought about why this lesson and not another. Hopefully, all of us are contemplating the actual scripture lesson itself, no matter what it is. Yet I would say we probably should think about why this lesson and not another on any given Sunday. You see, these lessons we heard this morning go way back in time to the early church. We are a contemporary church that traces its lineage, even in England itself, all the way back to the first century. Our lectionary readings, our propers, that means proper appointed readings for each Sunday, also in our prayer book lectionary tend to go all the way back to the early church. Father Krauss comments upon the Advent proper lessons. If you consider, he says, the selection of epistle and gospel lessons for the Sundays and Advent, as they appear in the Book of Common Prayer, you will find that they are precisely those appointed in the Serum Missal of the Medieval Church of England, and are in fact the same as those prescribed in the Combs of St. Jerome, which goes back to the 5th century. The Advent lectionary remains unchanged since early Christian times. Our divines or our leading churchmen in the 16th century, that's the time of the Reformation, um, so our reformers in the Church of England opted to keep the readings of the ancient fathers, the ones that they had chosen. Perhaps our reformers thought them the surest readings to bring us to Jesus and to keep us on our journey towards union with Christ. Most modern and contemporary churches have changed the readings that you might hear on this Sunday because the early fathers don't make any sense to them. Now, honestly, I can totally relate to the fathers not making any sense. In my own life and study, it has taken some time to understand what they've said and why they've said it. We don't seem to have the patience and the humility in our culture, however, to think that perhaps we don't know as much as they did and that we might have to do a little bit of work to get at what they're saying. The question that naturally arises, of course, is on today's readings anyways, is what the heck the reading that seems to fit for Palm Sunday is doing on the first Sunday in Advent as the Gospel lesson. And I remember the moment, being an Anglican convert in my early 20s, I remember the moment when I was at church for the first Sunday in Advent and I said just that. Wait a minute. What the heck? Isn't this Palm Sunday? Aren't we supposed to be getting ready for Christmas? The answer is yes. And therefore, we are to be preparing for the coming of the King. 
not just at Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, but according to the logic of the Church Fathers, says our good friend Father Martin, we are to be preparing for the coming of Christ because it means to be prepared and readying our souls for his birth at Christmas time. And we ought to liken his birth to a triumphant entry into our souls once again on Christmas night. St. Paul tells us in the epistle lesson, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. What is Christmas in the life of the world if it is not the coming of the light? Christ is the light of the world. St. John tells us in his gospel that in Christ was life and that light and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. We are to prepare for the coming of Jesus by casting off darkness and putting on the armor of light. From St. Paul's words in our epistle lesson, that kind of Light, that kind of life, means a life of love. It means pursuing the greatest virtue that exists. Owe no one anything, says St. Paul in the beginning of our lesson, except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. Five out of the ten. And if there is any other commandment, all are summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Three times St. Paul in that passage uses the word love to get his point across. And the word for love he uses is agape. It's the Greek word And it doesn't mean strong brotherly love, doesn't mean affection, it doesn't mean I love pizza. The word means self-sacrifice, selflessness, considering others as better than yourself. This is the way, believe it or not, to peace and to joy in your life. To constantly be serving God and others for no other reason than that God has told you to do so and to do so for his glory. This constant serving of God and others brings about the peace of God that passes understanding. You can understand why the church has historically used acts of charity and mercy as spiritual disciplines to be practiced during Advent and Lent. The preparation for Christmas is about loving God and our neighbor. And in this way, we are putting off darkness and putting on the light. This is the walking in the light that the Apostle urges us to be a part of in our Epistle lesson. So that triumphal entry of Christ so that the triumphal entry of Christ can be repeated every year in our hearts, nay, every day. For our hearts constantly need the presence and victory of Christ for us to live out our lives walking in the light. May it be so for us. Amen.